The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, shockingly, big trouble in L.A. We also get into some quick updates around the league. I make the case, folks. For CP3 MVP. (gasps) What? We discuss what is happening in Cleveland and we answer some more TikTok hashtag early gang questions. All right, Marty. Marty is back from his fucking adventure to the bayou. He is here in New York City. Welcome back to Marty. Let's drop the beat. Folks, we have a full-blown Laker implosion on our hands. Yes, hate to see it. Yeah, just hate it. It's hate awful. it. As a Portland Trailblazers fan who absolutely can't fucking stand the Lakers, it's in my blood, born for it, hate to see a team trying to go back-to-back, struggling to make the playoffs. I hate it. I hate it. After a bad <laughs> loss to the Raptors, they're third in a row. Seventh loss in 10 games. Oh, no. Los Angeles finds themselves in a tie, putting them squarely in seventh place. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, can we just take a second? It's so funny. It's the best. (laughs) It's the best. The world was like, Trista, why are you doing this? Why are you saying there's panic? Why are you saying this about L.A.? They're going to be fine. A.D. is fine. LeBron's going to be fine. It's not fine. Nope. They're one in five since A.D. returned. Things don't look fine. They look less than fine, I'd say. They were seven-point favorites against a trash-ass Raptors team, and then they lost by seven. Braun had to leave the game with ankle soreness just days after telling the world, I will never be 100% again in my career because of this ankle injury. Seemed dramatic. I mean, tr- I, I mean, I trust him. I trust he knew his body. It, was, it was, seemed like a very demonstrative quote. <laughs> I thought it was a fake quote, actually. Ooh. Part of me was like, <laughs> is that a real thing? But either way, rut row. After the game, things were not fine. Chaos. Frank Vogel says, we're just not playing well right now. Anthony Davis, this one was damning. This is the lowest we've been in a while, at least in the last two years, but the only way is up. You are now experiencing someone saying we're at rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> the old, when someone says the only way is up, you have hit rock bottom. 
So when I say the Lakers have hit the panic button, when else, folks, would you be hitting the panic button if not at rock bottom? Yikes. He says, he follows it up by saying, we really can't get any lower than this. Fuck the TikTok people saying, Trist, you don't know what you're talking about. They know things are not fine. (laughs) Kyle Kuzma, not sure what to do. I wish we could get a little more playing time out there with Marc Gasol. Oh, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Oh, yes, Marc Gasol, the panacea for the Lakers championship hopes. He said that would be something that would be pretty good for us, for sure. I don't know. Was that a shot at Andre Drummond? A little bit, yeah. Uh, Seems weird that Kyle Kuzma wants to coach the team. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Kyle Kuzma has thoughts. Kuz, Kuz, starting at head coach. Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, player coach Kyle yeah, Kuzma. Player, player coach Kyle Kuzma. I mean, you know that's going to happen. <laughs> what? I don't know. Is Drummond just not integrating into the offense? I mean, listen, he's not a good he's not a good spacer. Floor spacer is not what Andre Drummond's strengths are. No, certainly not. Asked if he returned too early, LeBron said, you never know until you get out there. <laughs> well, that's kind of not the point, is it? <laughs> he also mentioned that some of the sharp pain he's felt in games were not things he felt in workouts. He said, I don't want to say I came back too early, but at the end of the day, I had to test it out and see where I was at. That's another way of saying I came back too early. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't want to say I came back too early, dot, 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 but I came back too early. <laughs> Fuck. Purple and gold in shaking in their boots. And then Braun, because everyone in the West seems to now hate the play-in tournament, he said, whoever came up with that shit needs to be fired. I think I think Adam, Sil- Adam Silver came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine falling to seven. Makes you a little salty when you were number one or number two before AD went down. Yeah, that seven can't look uh, can't look too nice right now. You know when teams like Memphis are playing like they're playing, and the Spurs are just the Spurs are by the way the grossest team <laughs> to watch and probably worst to play. People are just losing to the Spurs. Immediately. All-time Ben Simmons performance for them to beat the Spurs yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that is what the Lakers are staring into the depths of. You're going to be playing either the Spurs or the Grizzlies or the Warriors. Who knows what's going to happen? Dallas. And then, of course, it gets better. Daryl Morey decided he would enter the chat. (laughs) Just (laughs) subtweeting. Like Daryl Morey only can. He resp- he just writes this out of nowhere. No ats, no nothing. I can't believe the NBA hastily implemented change that makes games more interesting and meaningful. Wow. <laughs> you know this is aimed at Braun. He, he tweeted that last night? Yes, right okay. after Braun. Uh-huh. Right after Braun said that in the presser. Literally, Daryl Morey <laughs> laying in his hotel room, feet kicked up, probably a little... <laughs> Probably a little room service. He's like, let me put the Twitter fingers out. Yeah, he's basking in the basking in the buzzer beating win. Yes, yeah. basking in Ben one of Ben Simmons' all time clutch performances. Yeah. Like, yeah, had to be a tip in. Had had to be a tip in. Couldn't have been a jumper. Boom. Let me put this out. Daryl Morey tweet. He's like, yeah, Daryl, got him. Boom <laughs> roasted. <laughs> I mean, you remember when like LeBron came out against Daryl Morey? He was like. 
Daryl Morey didn't know what he's fucking talking about when he was tweeting. He just tweeted uneducatedly. Yeah. I mean, we won't talk about LeBron's recent tweets, but (laughs) (laughs) this is what also LeBron had to say back in March 2020. You've got Portland. You've got Memphis, New Orleans, and Sacramento tinkering around there. So there's five, ten games left. Why not let those guys battle it out? Make them play each other the last five games. That sure sounds like he was a proponent of the playing tournament to me. What happened? (laughs) What happened? I don't know. No one likes this playing tournament because everyone is fucking terrified of it. It's wild. You know? I like I've said before, I love this, but I love that NBA players hate it. Like I there's something <laughs> very nice for me to know that like they are squirming. It's the end of the season, there's 8 games left and they're squirming. That's all you can do to continue to compete till the very last game. I am glad that we have star players like actually like staring it in the face for sure. Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not just like Memphis or po- fucking Portland. It's like LeBron staring at the play-in tournament in the eye. Like, we could go, we could lose two games and just be home. Mm-hmm. After all this work. That'd be so I, funny. I would love That'd it. That'd be so funny. You know the NBA would be like, gotta rethink this play-in tournament thing. Yeah. They'll bring Dick Bavetta out of retirement to ref <laughs> that game. Exactly. <laughs> all right, let's get into some news around the league. LaMelo's back, folks. Hell Yeah. Hell yeah. Just in time to play spoiler, too, huh? Woo. When LaMelo went down with a wrist injury in March, everyone thought he was going to be gone for the season, and I was like, he's 19. Who knows? Those bones can heal up so fast. (laughs) And we mourned it, and I was like, sad. The Hornets are my league pass team of the year. I love them. He had an incredible rookie season. I thought he could win rookie of the year. Malik Monk was putting things together. He went down. Gordon Hayward were down. And you know what? Somehow they didn't plummet. And now LaMelo coming back just in time to put on his Superman cape, make things interesting. Reports began to surface. Hope. Recovery ahead of schedule. He might be back for the playoffs. <gasps> and now he's back and it's like he never missed a second. Did Let's you see go. that ski ball pass? I did. Yeah. Up into the air. All of a sudden, he led the Hornets to a fucking pounding of the Pistons. He put up 11, 7, and 8 in 28 minutes doing LaMelo things. That underhand lob pass landed perfectly in Miles Bridges' breadbasket. Easy bucket. Eric Collins, the Hornets play-by-play announcer, pretty much had an orgasm right there on camera. <laughs> he was like, LaMelo! I didn't hear the call. Oh, my God. Welcome back. <laughs> He's like, fuck, I've missed this dude. God. The rest of the East, they saw that and they were like, God damn it. Why? Why is he back? God, you were supposed to be out the rest of the year. (laughs) Hornets coach James Borrego had this to say about LaMelo in his presser. He's the only guy I know who can do that. Maybe Manu would have thrown that. As well, I've seen Manu throw some crazy stuff out there, but I put Melo in the same Manu category. Where do you think LaMelo is going to go down as passers in NBA history? That's so tough to say. I mean, in terms of flashiness and just like crazy things he can do, he's going to be up there. Uh, maybe like a maybe like a Jason Williams is he high? That's what I was wondering. Is he higher than Jason Williams? Because he does things that also make like that are meaningful to the game. Yeah. 
I would, I, I mean, I, again, he's only played what, like 40 games. Yeah. Uh, I would say he's projected to be like a rung higher. Yeah. Yeah. One rung. Like, and just a better player overall. For like, sure. Yeah. Because Jason Williams, gadget guy. Yeah. No, he's awesome. I love him. He was him. like AI, like handles with this insane passing mm-hmm. ability as yeah. well. But he wasn't like, give the ball to Jason Williams yeah. down the stretch. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, uh, I love him. Big comparison to a guy that Corey Brewer said was one of the most difficult players to guard in the 15 years in his career. And now that LaMelo is back, people are now, of course, pushing LaMelo hard to be rookie of the year again. Like, before he even came back, the odds went up on LaMelo to win the rookie of the year. So, Melo says, though, I don't actually care about that. All I care about is going to the playoffs. All I care about is winning. That's exactly the guy you want on your team. That's exactly the guy the Warriors probably should have drafted for the future. (laughs) But, you know, about those playoffs, Malik Monk and Devontae Graham back as well. Hayward is also a possibility come playoff time. So I think this is a scary probability for the folks in the East. Like, scary for someone like the Celtics. Scary for a lot of the teams like like the Heat. The Heat should be really not happy about this news. Oh, very much, yeah. They're going to play spoiler. They're currently sitting at the eight spot, staring at a first-round series with either the Nets or the Sixers. I, I don't think that they'll win a series, but I think they can take a couple of games. One, two games. Just make it uncomfortable. Yeah, just make someone work. Yeah. Just make them work for it. LaMelo, Bridges, Monk, Rozier, Hay- Hayward, they could be anyone on any given night. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. They beat us once. Yeah. Yeah. Playoffs two weeks away. LaMelo cannot wait. Neither can I. Uh, moving on. Let's talk a little Michael Porter Jr. Man, I tell you what. I called the Nuggets dead in the water. I did. Jamal Murray goes down, ACL injury, and I go, that's it. First round exit, <laughs> just count it now. There's, as did many. As did many. Yeah. I think we talked about this. It's yeah, like, we did. There's just no chance for you guys now that the guy that's the focal point of your offense is gone for the next 18 months. Yeah. Well, in the last five minutes of a playoff game, you need a guy like Jamal Murray. So, Correct. Yeah. But Michael Porter Jr., boy. Oh, he's sick. He's like, nope, give me all the shots. <laughs> give me all the minutes. Give me all the touches. He apparently, given these stats that I looked into, could be just the best shooter in the NBA, including Stephen Clay. That is nuts. That is nuts. I forgot all about Michael Porter Jr. and how good he could be when when Jamal went down. So, 8-1 and one after Jamal Murray goes down. I'd say that's meaningful, but they haven't been playing scrubs either. They played the Grizz, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Blazers. I mean, these are no scrubs. Yeah, no, it's not like they're doing it it to Detroit or anything like that. Yeah, it's not like they've just been playing Houston, Detroit, Cleveland. They've been playing playoff teams. Mm -hmm. Eight and one. Hottest team in the West. No one saw it coming except for Michael Porter Jr., who has, we'll say, been criticized because he wants more touches. (laughs) Last playoff, he said, you know, I think things would be better if I just got the ball more. And the world was like, Fuck this kid. Who would dare say that? And you know what? I think Michael Porter did need more touches. (laughs) I think he's been needing some more touches for a long time now. And now the Nuggets possibly, could it possibly be that they're better with Michael Porter Jr. as a second option? 
I don't know. They look really good. Since Murray's injury, Kevin Porter, Michael Porter Jr. has been averaging 26, 7 and 2, and 50% from three, which is better than his numbers before at 17, 8 and 1, and 42% from three, which was already good. It was already great. Mm -hmm. Is here the right place to remind people that Murray was averaging 21, 4 and 4 for this season? He's playing better than Jamal Murray. And I get it. You're losing a key star. So you pick up the slack. You're automatically going to get more touches, more shots, more points. Mm -hmm. But Jesus, 50% from three? Right. Like the efficiency goes up too. That's telling. That is telling because your usage is going up and yet your efficiency is going up? Yeah. Hmm. That's rising to the occasion. That is rising. Coach Mike Malone has to get credit. He's worked to make Michael Porter Jr. apparently... According to this recent article, a better defender on the wing. And now Porter has told the world, not only am I going to be a monster as a scorer, I have decided I am going to guard my opponent's best player every single possession. Man, I thought that was what Aaron Gordon was brought in to do. Was that not (laughs) the case? I don't know. Coach Malone said at his presser, Michael Porter deserves the lion's share of the credit for the recent win streak. Yes, he does. Give that man more touches. The world, we were wrong when we said, fuck this Michael Porter Jr. kid for saying he needs more touches at a presser in the playoffs because it's very clear that he does. I can't believe he was the 15th pick still. I know we'll probably get into that, but that is crazy how far he fell. So, yeah, I was at that draft, and I think he was 14. I think he got taken 14. Okay, yeah, I knew it was late. It was late. late lottery or right after. Yeah. But it was because of obvious injury mm-hmm. concerns. Yeah. The world... I mean, there were a lot of teams that needed him. The critical team that could have definitely drafted him and passed on him, which was wild, was Jerry West and the L.A. Clippers. Oh, yeah. I forgot they, they were in that draft. Yeah. Uh-huh. They had a, the 12th pick. Let's see. L.A. Clippers, 2018 draft. Yep. Uh, they picked up. You know what? They picked up Shea. That's pretty fucking good. I don't think you trade at that point. I don't think you, well, I guess you have Michael Porter Jr. out that entire year. You don't even know what his stock is. Yeah. So I don't even think he's a draft piece at that point. Yeah. I remember being mad that we didn't get him. He's really good. Yeah. yeah. He is. I like Mikhail though. Mikhail is very good. He is no cave. He is no Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. And can we just say for a second, <laughs> cause I've fumbled it multiple times that, you just shouldn't have Michael Porter Jr. and Kevin Porter Jr. both exist at once doing things like they're doing. <laughs> it is aggravating. It's very confusing. I've I've missed up messed up the name multiple times now. So why is Michael Porter Jr. possibly a better option than Jamal Murray as a second option? Well, he's had 37 straight games with double digit points this year. The longest streak Murray has had of consecutive 10 point plus games is 12. So about that. That's <laughs> Murray, in my opinion, that seems Mur- low for a star. Very player. low. Yeah. Very low. In my opinion, my problem with Jamal Murray has always been that he's a boomer bus guy. You're either going to get like the most remarkable performance you've ever seen from a player, like he did it in the bubble, which AAU goals, like yeah. there were no. There were no fans. So the fact that his best performances come when no one's there is very telling, but also very boomer bust in general, even with fans. So 
Porter just does not seem to go cold. Porter could be Kevin Durant. Kevin Porter, if you look at their stats right next to each other, he could be a more, I don't even, I, it's hard for me to say this, but like he could be a better shooting Kevin Durant. Ooh. He's shooting 50% from three. That's true. That's true. We need a we need a slightly larger sample size, though. But he, I mean, he's got the frame. Uh, he could be a very similar player. Very if he, similar. If he continues to improve, yeah. And he's been healthy recently. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that was always the knock. For, tho- for those who don't know, Porter is 6'10". And reports say he might not be done growing. Wow, could you imagine? I mean, he's only like 21, right? Yeah. 22? Yeah. Okay. Smooth off the dribble, great catch and shoot guy. Now he's getting those touches and he's responding. When he squares up, there may be no better shooter in the NBA. When he was coming off, essentially rehabbing that back, not playing any games, there were reports that came out, Kevin Porter Jr. See? Michael Porter Jr. (laughs) See how that happens? Was... Out shooting all of the teammates on the Nuggets. Out shooting Gilkic. Out shooting Jamal Murray. Mike Malone says Michael Porter Jr. is our team's best shooter, hands down. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. He's a 44% lifetime three-point shooter at 6'10". It's pretty solid. So the Nuggets appear to be back from the dead. I was wrong. Hand up. <laughs> right now, I'm going to say right this very second, the Nuggets are back from the dead. And they're adding an interesting wrinkle to a very fun West. I don't even know what's going to happen. What is going? There's five teams that could easily come go to the finals from the West. Not all these teams can go to the Western Conference Finals. Every single one of those five teams, Clippers, Lakers, Suns, Jazz, Nuggets, they could all come out of the West. I, got, I would not be shocked if any of those teams ended up doing it. And what's crazy is the Lakers probably have the lowest probability out of all of them. That's hot. Wow. I mean, right this second. Yeah. Right this second yeah. where we stand right now, where it's, we it's, stand. Yeah, it's just weird to say out loud. It's weird to hear out loud. It wow. is. Yeah. You're like, but listen, <laughs> what else am I going to say? Going to be a shootout and Michael Porter Jr. is going to be firing away. So I was walking to go get coffee the other day. And all of a sudden, someone pulls up. They literally cross the street. You know things are sketchy when someone crosses the street mid-street, not on like the actual crosswalk or mm-hmm. at the... They cross mid-street and they start talking to you. I'm thinking, strike light, strike light. Where is my strike light? <laughs> He's like, miss, miss, let me ask you a question. Come here for a second. Come here, come here. Da-da-da-da-da. He's talking to my dog. He's talking to me. I'm in a 10-minute long conversation with this dude. And all I want to do is get coffee. He starts getting close, starts asking to see my phone. Ish. Ish. And I'm like, man, I wish I had this fucking strike light around my wrist where I can just go. Just like, a, hey, back up. That's the sound that it makes. Back up. I got to keep it with me at all times. Got to keep it with me in a city like New York where anything could happen at any given time. I mean, the crazies are out at all times. People are, it's, people are down bad. And when people are down bad got to keep your strike light with you. I tell you what, <laughs> it is a rechargeable high power flashlight that repels attackers with an electric stun feature. And the electric stun feature, you can actually just use it as a deterrent. You can just hit it and it goes, like I said, <laughs> which sounds way scarier than that. It actually is a flashlight and a stun gun, which is kind of dope. 
why? The question is, why would you have a flashlight that does not have a stun feature? If you're going to have, you're going to carry a flashlight around, you might as well have like an extra benefit of safety. Guns should not have guns for unnecessary risks for you and those around you. Even pepper spray, get that on your fingers, get that on your hands, get your on your eyes. No bueno. So protect yourself and your family with Taser Strike Light self-defense product. Taser Strike Light is available without a permit in most U.S. states. That's good news. Get the Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo LEAGUE. Save 15% now at taser.com, promo code LEAGUE. It's spelled T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code LEAGUE. Restrictions apply. See the site for details. All right, just a few days after I recorded a social clip on how teams are getting their doors blown off by 30 or more at a historic rate, Oklahoma City, Marty, did the impossible. Impossible. In a season where the Clippers lost by 50 to the Mavs, Oklahoma City lost to the Pacers by 57 points on Saturday night. With 4-12 left in the game, the Thunder were down by 67 One point short of the all-time NBA record for sucking. A professional basketball. These are professionals. Wait, so does that mean 68 is the... The record? Like, no one's one's ever been trailing by more than that. Correct. Oh, man. Man, that would have been a very cool record. Yeah. Sad. (laughs) Very cool, though. A professional basketball team. Like, I know that this is a number. Like, you hear 67. And you like didn't watch the game. But like, think about that. In order to go down by 67, like you just can't score at all for a long ass time. Yeah. And you don't play defense where they score. I mean, it doesn't make sense. You got to just be bricking threes and turning the ball over all the time. Yes. It's just, but you're professional. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) These are NBA players. No starter on OKC had a better plus minus than negative 24. (laughs) Nine players had minus 20 or worse. I don't know. That's got to be a record, right? (laughs) Yeah, nine. I would would guess that's a record. So this got me thinking, maybe there needs to be a solution. Some, Some creative thinking going on. After some brainstorming, I have a new rule that I would like to implement. And I'm saying it first. This has not been talked about. So if it comes up on the fucking jump, I know it's because of this. <laughs> I'm calling it the COVID white flag. I'm calling it a mercy rule. Pretty simple. If you fall at any point in a game down by more than 30, game over. Click, click. Done. Ooh. Done. Shower time. Head to the showers. It's over. We'll put on some Blue's Clues or something in its place. The NBA needs a mercy rule. I said it. I said it. This is it. No one wants to. No one's coming back from 30 right now in this in this in this league with no fans. I know the Celtics just came back from 32 to the Spurs. But folks, in the history of the NBA, it has happened exactly eight times. Really? Yes. Ooh. So it's not like calling a game when it reaches the COVID white flag is like robbing fans of some historic performance that you're going to see. It's not going to happen. You're just saving them from watching bad basketball. And the hope and disappointment that will follow is just you don't need it. I also have an interesting twist to this rule. If you are down by 30 and you go, what? You know what? We got grit. We're like the Celtics. We're that Celtics game against the Spurs where they came back. 
OT and somehow people think that that was good. <laughs> that was not a good win. <laughs> but say you say to yourself, we want to stay. We want to play this game out. And you lose, you lose two games. That's two. <laughs> two L's. You don't like that. <laughs> just just add to the L column. It just changes your percentage. So say you end up playing, you have like 62 and 24. That's because you have three additional losses because your ass got blown out. Putting in the COVID white flag mercy rule is probably, I would say, the only way to avoid these games in the future. Because these blowouts, this is historic blowouts. Mm -hmm. And I'm fucking sick of it. What do you think about this rule? You don't like it, I don't think. Uh, you hate it. You I hate think it. the part at the end uh, probably uh, probably makes the uh, standings uh, a little tough. I don't know if that's really realistic. Uh, but uh, an opt out option, if you're down by that much, I don't think is the worst idea in the world. Like you would, you would say, "Hey, you guys just want to call it." Yeah. Like ten, like the ten run rule. I mean, it's just not happening. Yeah. Just game over. Call it. Be done with it. Here it is, Marty. Here it is. Let's go. Here it is. Ah, it, <laughs> is Chris Paul the real MVP? Is he? <laughs> I, I say, the more I've thought about it, somebody asked me, random, they just said, hey, who is your MVP? If you, and this was a couple of nights ago, mm-hmm. and there were some big Chris Paul moments, I would say. So there's a little recency bias. Sure. They said, who is your MVP? And I go, well, do you mean like given who's leading in the standings, who I would choose or who I would choose out of everyone not knowing what the voting voting is right now? And they go, who would you choose? No narratives, no nothing. Just who do you choose? And I said, I choose Chris Paul. Wow. I do. Like no narratives, no like percentages, you know, no, like I have to choose who I think is going to win. I have right. to choose who I would, I think deserves to win the most. Yeah. I choose Chris Paul. And you know, the thing that I think is wild is that no one's talking about it as much. And it's because we've all just given up based around the way that the media functions. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we were being serious, we would, we would be having this discussion. Yeah, no, it's a story of narratives for sure. I mean, it really, MVP comes down to like who owns the storylines and stuff. And I mean, it's kind of weird that Chris Paul hasn't considering we've gone from, you know, one of the worst franchises in the last 10 years, all of a sudden to the best Number- record in the NBA. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Nobody is willing their team to win more than Chris Paul. I know Jokic is balling, but we've already discussed what his team's record is when he goes for 30 or more. We've already discussed. Jokic is not as critical to winning as Chris Paul is to his team. No. Just we're seeing Michael Porter Jr. emerge. I think you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. You're winning just the same amount of games. Jokic is good. Giannis is very, very good. Embiid is very, very good. But guess what? We have a precedent here. That has been created a precedent that if we're being fair, we should uphold. Right. Let's take a look at why Chris Paul should be MVP this year. And it's none other than your boy, your boy, (laughs) Steve Nash. Let's go. If you believe that the 2004, 2005 MVP was legitimate. It is. 
So there we go. That's a bedrock that we're standing on. Then Chris Paul should win the MVP. Given that Chris Paul came to a team that did not make the playoffs for the previous 11 years and then took them from that to the number one team in the NBA, best team in basketball, Mm -hmm. in the blink of an eye. Yep. Suns were pretty bad without him. Suns pretty bad without him. (laughs) Nothing changed substantially on this roster except for the elimination of Kelly Oubre and the elimination of Ricky Rubio. Are you going to tell me that Jay Crowder became the reason that the Suns are now winning as a role player? You are not. (laughs) You are not going to tell me that. Let's break this down. Steve Nash came to Phoenix from Dallas in the offseason in 2004. And that was part of a turnaround. Mm Mm-hmm. That season, the Suns finished number one in the West, having the best record in basketball at 62-20. and 20. They won 29 games the previous year, a 33-game improvement. Nash received his first MVP award in a hotly contested race oh, yeah. over Shaq. Very narrow win, 1,066 votes versus 1,032 votes. His stats that year, we'll call them not great in, <sighs> in the MVP, in the MVP Pantheon, they were, this is where the contesting comes from. Mm-hmm. 16, thir- 3, and 12. Led the league in assists. His uh, slash line was 50, 43, and 88, 7. Now let's look at Chris Paul. Chris Paul came to Phoenix, a team that had not made the playoffs in 11 years. They are currently back and forth with the Jazz for the best record in the NBA. They're playing at a clip that would bring 59 wins in a regular season. They had 34 wins last year. That equals a 25-game improvement. His stats this year, pretty similar to the Nash ones. (laughs) 16-5-9 with 50-38-93, including 65.6% in clutch time. What? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, actually. Clutch time is defined as a five-point game in the last five minutes. He has been healthy all year in a season where no one has remained healthy. He is being very mysterious and secretive about his training regimen and his nutrition regimen. I think he's (laughs) vegan now, pretty sure. Yeah, he is. He talked about it on JJ's pod. Yep. He's got this little drink that no one knows what's inside (laughs) of it. Probably HGH. I'm just joking. It's not HGH. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. (laughs) Just joking. We don't know what's in there, though. He's sick. The Suns are six and two when he scores twenty eight or more. His stats, like like Nash's, not eye popping. But the thing is, it's not how many points you get; is when you get them, mm-hmm. and when Chris Paul gets them are like the last two minutes of the game. He just decides, "Yep, that's what I'm going to turn it on." Yep. I could be doing this. All night long, but I decide I'm going to facilitate, make my teammates better, set everyone up, make sure everybody's happy, play defense. He is a pest on defense. Mm -hmm. He has made DeAndre Ayton look very, very good. DeAndre Ayton has taken a step. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. He's still passive at times, but yeah, he's certainly improved Ayton quite a bit. And you can tell that that's because Chris Paul is annoying. Oh, yeah. He's an annoying teammate. We know that. He's maybe one of the biggest assholes in the NBA, and I fucking love it. Yeah, I think that was one of the first things I tweeted, like how much DeAndre Aiden's about to get yelled at in practice. Yeah, like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Get up! 
up. You're seven <laughs> feet tall. What are you doing? You yeah. know that's what he's doing, mm-hmm. right? And DeAndre Ayton has looked like a man now. Mm-hmm. He went up against, who did you guys just play? I think it was against the Jazz where Rudy Gobert didn't really want any DeAndre Ayton smoke. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Like DeAndre Ayton has been thin and scrawny and passive before. And now you're like, he's He's kind of firm into the ground. Yeah, he's actually putting a motor on. Yeah, for sure. But th- but again, w- what CP is doing is, uh, like you were saying, like facilitate, get everyone involved, play your game. But then in the last five minutes, if they don't have it, now it's my turn. Yep. And, yeah. Yep. And I tell you what, the passes he's making, mm-hmm. he's made some wild cross-court, long, deep passes that have resulted in like eight Additional points for the Suns? Probably. Like, you're like, that was an easy layup that you would have not gotten on the fast break. Mm -hmm. Just dropping balls in people's bread baskets for layups or dunks. He did that four times one time and a half against a a good team. I mean, I think I've made the case. If you are a logical person that, again, believes that that 2004 Steve Nash MVP is legitimate, like you said, (laughs) it is, (laughs) and we're not going to hash that out. It's fine. It's extremely comparable to Chris Paul's, and it's on the same franchise. You don't need to make that many jumps. Yeah, no, there are a lot of parallels for sure. I would say the bigger difference is that, I mean, it it doesn't seem like nine assists versus 12 is that much, but there were games where Nash was getting like 18 assists, 19 assists, 20 assists, and we were beating teams by like 30 at a time where like you weren't seeing blowouts like that. Right. So he kind of owned the season in a different way that's that would be how i differentiate the so two basically you're you're saying that steve nash was basically a hybrid of how the nba normally gives out the mvp meaning you mm-hmm. have to be the top in basketball either in your conference or generally yeah but also own the narrative by doing something similar to what russell westbrook did which was putting up ungodly numbers that weren't points sure i mean there's an element of that right like no doubt. russ was putting up triple doubles at a ridiculous rate but the thunder were sixth over in the west and like 10th overall or something like that and now you've got nash putting up not huge point numbers but sometimes like you would go on sports center because he put up 20 assists and mm-hmm. the, and the type of passes were ridiculous and the suns were blowing fools out so he was owning the narrative while the suns were up top and there was this turnaround yeah so what you're saying is chris paul hasn't been flashy enough for you a little bit yeah i just think i don't know what the mvp's become I don't think his numbers are quite there. I think there's certainly a case, and I think you've made a great one, and I would love to see him win it. Uh, I just, I think it's going to end up being Embiid, but I certainly think Chris Paul is way more than Steph Curry. You you remember Steph had like a 10-game run, insane 10-game run, and all of a sudden people were talking about him being MVP. I mean, that's... That's Jokeville, but yeah, but, but the whole thing is that's part of I love Jokeville. Yeah. It's like my new favorite. Word. <laughs> so, but the thing is that Steph Curry ten game run were ungodly quote unquote moments. Yeah, and for some reason, if I was Chris Paul, I would be mad that I hadn't been talked about like this way. You know, a little bit. Like I did this with Oklahoma City. Like we had a they had one of the best records clutch records in basketball last year. I think there were 15 and two clutch clutch games. And he then, and that was a team that was rebuilt, right? And like mm-hmm. he brought Shea up to snuff. They became a playoff team. They almost 
won in the first round, which didn't make no damn sense. <laughs> no sense. And like nobody puts respect on Chris Paul. And then coming into this year, everybody's like, oh, yeah. Also, remember, Tillman Fertitta said Chris Paul had the worst contract in basketball. Is it? Is it that bad? No, I don't think so. I don't think it is. No. And And then on top of that, Chris Paul comes to the Suns and the narrative is like, why would the Suns do that? They're a young team. Why would you bring in a guy who's old, rickety, has injury issues? Like, this is going to fuck up their flow. This is on a totally developmental timeline than Devin Booker and DeAndre uh-huh. Ayton. What are they doing? This is gross. This is not going to work out. Crash, flame, boom. And then they're the number one team in basketball. Like, if I was Chris Paul, I'd be laying on my hotel bed being like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> this is bullshit. I am the MVP. They need to ask him. Someone ask him, like, do you think you're the MVP of the league? I guarantee you he will say yes. It's coming. It's coming. I'm overcoming the obstacles. I'm conquering the impossible. He said I was being illogical, but I have become the unstoppable. And why would I stop? Got a lot to do. I'm trying to travel where it's tropical. Don't call me. I ain't calling you. Because that's why I do not rock with you. You the type of one to watch my moves. Things are really bad in Cleveland. I mean, worse than normal, which is already pretty bad. Marty, it is gross. It is really, really <laughs> below rock bottom. If you could scrape underneath the concrete to go into the inner core of the earth, that is where the calves are right now. We are inside the core of the earth right now. That's how bad it is. It has been another atrocious, another garbage, another awful year for a franchise that has been very, very bad since LeBron James left town. They're 4-13 and 13 in their last 17. They've lost six in a row. The wheels on the bus don't go round and round. They are falling off. Man, this season's been nothing but turmoil. It is just, I was so excited for them. Mm -hmm. And it just, I want to believe, like people tell me I'm a cynic, but I have optimism. I had optimism for this team. Players are now refusing to play. Players are getting cut for throwing food. <laughs> They're getting bought out. Players are just taking huge, huge dollar amounts, and they're leaving town. They're going to play for the Lakers. P- other players are storming off. They're staging no shooting strikes. Like, fuck a hunger strike. I'm just not going to shoot for the next three games at all. I know I make $200 million, but, like, don't give me the ball because I'm just going to give it to the other team. Like, that happened. Kevin Love out of bounds. Just... Gave it to the Raptors in like a very critical time in the game when they were only down by six. And this boom, lose. I pre- you probably didn't see that because you were in the Bayou. Yeah, I haven't been watching too many Cavs games, I will be honest, in but the it, last it, <laughs> in last week. They were only down by six to the Raptors. Kevin Love didn't get a call. He had the ball out of bounds, and he literally just flicked it to the other team. Easy. Like literally? Yeah, like just <laughs> look it up. It was really bad. Okay. And then no one said anything after. Remember that other time he's like throwing, taking the ball, snatching the ball from Colin Sexton, throwing it at Seti Osman. I mean, it's bad. It is so bad. It's worse than the way that things are going in Houston because you at least know that it's like kind of funny in Houston. Right. This isn't funny. No. This is like sad. And it appears right now that things are in, unfixable. There was a huge article that came out in The Athletic basically being like there is a Cold War going on between the Cavaliers, and Kevin Love. 
because of his massive contract. You can't get rid of him because he's got a guarantee of a lot of money and he's got two years left. You can't trade him because he's been hurt and obviously staging some sort of coup within your fucking team, becoming a cancer, essentially, where other teams aren't going to be like, yeah, talk about the worst contract in basketball. It's not Chris Paul. It could be Kevin Love. He is untradeable. And you don't want to buy him out because you just have been buying everyone out. (laughs) I mean, this is bad. Yeah. It has. And I feel bad for Kevin Love because you were contending a lot. You were in the finals multiple years. Like, you got a ring. You were with LeBron James, one of the best basketball players in the world in a generation. And then he leaves. The franchise tells you, it's going to be okay. We're going to continue to build around you. We'll pay you all the money that you're owed. You're a champion. We're going to continue to do things the right way. And then it's been like rebuild after rebuild after rebuild. And that's not all Kevin Love's fault. Because, yes, he's a team cancer, but, like, he was sold a bill of goods by Dan Gilbert, who is one of the worst owners in sports. No doubt. And then you've got a new coach search going on, and Dan Gilbert puts his fingerprints all over that thing and makes the team hire John Beeline? John Beeline? Thugs, (laughs) That is still funny when you think about it. Slugs? Slugs and thugs? Come on now. This is a nightmare scenario. For Kevin Love, this has got to be one of the worst working environments you could be in. Like, fuck this place. Fuck Cleveland. Fuck the Cavs. Fuck this kid who won't pass me the ball, Colin Sexton. And Kobe Altman has just continued to make one bad move after another bad move. Let's recap him. Did a little little like uh, collating, as we would say. He drafted Darius Garland. Of the very year after drafting, Colin Sexton, who plays the exact same position and does the exact same things. That was a head scratcher, I would say, in the moment. (laughs) Both were in the lottery. It's not like he got one in the first round, one in the third round, one in the second round. I mean, NFL draft talk. Yeah, no. Back-to-back lottery picks. Back-to-back lottery picks. Sent a bunch of draft capital to get Kevin Porter Jr. and sent him away in a heartbeat. Before you could even figure out the cake was still in the oven, you're just like, nope. Throw it out. Yep. Now he's putting up 50. He benched Drummond forever for no reason. And then bought him out, even though Dan Gilbert said he wasn't going to buy him out. They traded JaVale McGee. They dealt with multiple instances of Kevin Love basically throwing a tantrum and doing absolutely nothing about it. This is just... <laughs> can we say it could get worse? I don't know if it can get any worse than this. Yeah. No one wants to play less with a player than Kevin Love wants to play with Colin Sexton. (laughs) Like, he does not like him. And that's no shot at Colin Sexton. But there is reports that opponents are now taunting the Cavs by saying, you know Colin's not going to pass to you, right? He's not (laughs) passing to you. You know you're not going to get the ball, right? Just sit over there in the corner because he's not passing to you. It's ISO ball. That is a shot. That is fucked up. Can you imagine how emasculating it is for your opponent to be like, you know you're never getting the ball, right? Yeah, I would hate that. That would be so infuriating. And the problem is the same problem that they faced all year is he's got two years left and a bunch of money owed and he's too expensive to do anything about. You got to get rid of him. Got to. Because the Cavs will never get better until Kevin Love is fucking gone. Who is the boy?
boy with the swag, that's his chick with the braids. All of your fix are afraid, know you can feel that I'm paid. That's got digital drip, this is not minimum wage. It's that home run money for the long run. All right, let's get into some questions. Okay, uh, we'll start off with who is the most likable player in the NBA, and then also who is the least liked by fans? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, a little bit. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was watching games. I think the most likable players in the NBA not only play well, play with joy, but they also have tremendous pressers. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, they're fun guys. Yeah. They're fun. Like They say fun things. I think that's Giannis. Yeah. I think that's Luka. And there's like a little bit. This is by fans. This is by fans, not by other players. Yeah. Right. Right. Because Luka does some bitch made stuff in the game. And we know he does. But he's very cool after the game. Like he's his, got 15 technicals now. Did you know that? Yes. That's a lot. If yeah. he gets another technical, he will be suspended. <laughs> he's He got a technical for shooting uh, during a timeout on the other end of the court. Mm-hmm. It was I got a tech for that. Hmm. Uh, and Steph, they are definitely Steph. beloved. And what's interesting is that Steph actually does not have tremendous pressers. His mon- he's very monotone, but he's so likable. Like yeah. he's like so affable, and he just obviously does insane things on the court. So it almost overweights that. But my list is as follows: Giannis, Luca, and Bead. This is by fans. Right. Jokic, Zion, Steph, Clay, Dame, Bradley Beal, Spider. <sighs> you don't people, like people like Donovan Mitchell. Like who likes Donovan Mitchell? But he's very nice. Utah people do. Okay. You don't think that fans <laughs> you think fans hate Donovan Mitchell? I don't know. Okay, so Phoenix hates him because he's always compared to Devin Booker. Uh, and I know Philly hates him because of the like rookie of the year stuff. And like one of my best friends from high school was a big Philly fan. So you know we what? I can say he's over. a little controversial. Okay. So Tatum. I probably am wrong. No, no, no. You're, he probably belongs on this list. You're right. Tatum, LaMelo, Zach Levine. Here's my new favorite player. Aunt Edwards quickly, he's quickly fun. becoming top five likable player in the NBA. Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka, when you get a Kawhi Leonard to eat bull penis, yeah. <laughs> you just go to the top of the list, right? Great Al- video. Alex Caruso looks like a janitor, plays like a janitor, somehow in the league getting big-time playoff minutes. Like, how is that a guy? You, it's not. He's very aspirational, mm-hmm. and he says incredible things, too. John Morant, extremely likable. Definitely. Boban. Boban. Bobby and Toby, all-time likable moment. Exactly. Uh, who is it? Is your list any different than this? Uh, I definitely wouldn't have uh Mitchell on it. I wish I had a little more time to think about it. I'm sure I could come up with a few others, but I think you definitely, I would, I would have a lot of these same players on it for sure. Yeah. And then the least liked by fans, Harden, <laughs> Russ. It's incredible that this list are some of the greats too. Oh, yeah. Harden, Russ, Russ is. The worst press conference athlete. One of the worst I have ever seen live. Yeah, he just gets angry. (laughs) He just, he's different than Kawhi, but he's just, if he doesn't know you and he doesn't like you, you are getting less than nothing. Him and Harden both are, I don't get nervous a lot or get like 
this thing could go sideways in a fucking instant. But when I covered the first game where Russ was in Houston, mm-hmm. I went to, it was right during the, the World Series. So I just okay. went, went to go cover it. And like, they both were standing next to each other doing the scrum together. And I was like, this could go really bad. This is going to go. And everyone wants to know how it's going to work with Russ and Harden. That's the only thing we want to know. And they know that. And they are not having that shit. Right. <laughs> it was so bad, so prickly. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie can get very prickly. He said some things, period, that have made fans very mad. The walkabout, very mad. Switching religions mo- midway through the year, also not popular with fans. He just says a lot of things that are, let's say, let's say not smart. Yeah, he's, a, he's like the guy who knows just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. Went a year at Duke, and now he thinks he's a, like, physicist. He's the most fake intelligent person I think I've ever seen. Correct. Yeah. And I like him a lot. He does say things where you're like, oh, that was, but. mm, Stupid. mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Paul George issues. Issues with Paul George calling himself pandemic or calling himself playoff P and then becoming pandemic P. Also, he's just a little too honest. Mm -hmm. Just a little too honest. I like it. But I can see what – and he's done a lot of bitch things with Cali Rivers and all of the cheating. Yeah. He's just – yeah. Well, Clippers-Suns is becoming a very bloody rivalry and in large part to what Paul George has said in pressers about, uh, oh, they're uh, – we're the classy organization and, like, they're all doing this. So he uh, – yeah, he just – he says a lot of things that just, just aren't really talking. true or fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, yeah, just – yeah. Rudy Gobert shut sports down <laughs> for six months. Yeah. He was the reason he was a COVID mocker. And we have done everything that we can to restore Rudy Gobert's image as a media. There was like a full hour long special about Rudy Gobert to try to like basically say that we shouldn't be thinking about this anymore. I am certainly still thinking about this. <laughs> Patrick Beverly is Patrick Beverly. He was shit talking. Anytime you shit talk in a way especially shit talk like a very well-known and very well-liked player. Yeah. If you shit talk Dame in the middle of a game, you are automatically disliked. Mm -hmm. If you shit talk liked players like Steph Curry, you are, you are excommunicated from fans. We don't like you anymore. Draymond Green, also very prickly. Draymond Green famously cooked me in a presser. Really? Do you remember this? I don't. I said it was a game one. NBA Finals, Toronto, and the Warriors. Game was in Toronto. Uh, Drake on the sidelines, and they got into a little, like, back and forth after the game. When Drake called him soft? Yeah, Yeah. when Drake called him soft. And there was a little jabbing back and forth, and I'm there at at, at the end of the game, and we're all there for the presser. And I get a text from my producer, ask Draymond about the back and forth between him and Drake. And I was like, mm. he's like, I think he'll play be, I think he'll be very playful with it. It's not a big deal. Oh yeah. Hasn't uh-huh. been asked, you know. Notably nobody's... playful guy, Draymond Green. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, Draymond. Just want you to talk a little bit about that scuffle between you and Drake. And then it's like one one thousand, two one thousand. And he goes, Do you have a question about basketball? Oh, oh, that one that must have stung. 
And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, Tristan, don't say a word. Just let it sit there. Because if you respond, then we're off track. The question is about Drake. Just stay firm. Say nothing. Stand tall in your red face and your heart and your throat and like 40 media, maybe more. There's got to be more. You're on national television right now on ESPN. The camera's on you. Say nothing. And he was like, I don't think it was really a scuffle because I didn't touch him. He didn't touch me. I We just jawed back and forth. But a scuffle? I don't think that was a scuffle at all. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then it became like the A block first for fucking first tape <laughs> and for Colin Cowherd <laughs> and for Undisputed. Who is this journalist that's asking two brothers going back and forth? And I'm like, fuck. Thank God I was in Toronto because they don't have ESPN there. It's only Turner, uh, right. TSN. <laughs> so I had all these people being like, you made it on TMZ. And it was just like, Draymond Cook's reporter. That's, oh, it man. was a low. And then I had to go, like, go out and eat dinner. And like I'm seeing Steve Smith out there. I'm seeing Jalen Rose. I mean, everyone knows. Right. That's the scuffle you, girl. Yeah. That's the scuffle girl. That's the scuffle girl. Damn. Brutal. <laughs> Next question. All right. Uh, we have, what do you think of Marcus Smart's ejection? Man, when Marcus Smart gets ejected, Boston Celtics fans come out in droves. They come out and they were big fucking mad. Nobody loves their player like Celtics fans love Marcus Smart. So people were furious online. Here's what happened. Minute and 56 seconds left. My Portland Trailblazers playing the Boston Celtics. Smart. Let's say this. Yusuf Nurkic set a moving screen. He tilted his body towards Smart, and they hit each other. Both players tumbled on the floor. And while the two were tangled on the floor, all of a sudden, Yusuf Nurkic either pulls off the greatest acting job in history or Marcus Smart punched him in the nuts, basically. <laughs> The original call was an offensive foul for Nurk, but after this like six-minute long review, seven-minute long review, the offensive foul stayed. But all of a sudden, they said, well, Mark Smart he gets hit with a technical and immediately is ejected. One tech, ejected. Obviously, Celtics fans are enraged. One minute, 56 seconds left in the game. And goodbye to Marcus Smart, who is putting the clamps on CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hate to see that. Hate to see it. And Smart was like, Me? Who? What? I am just outraged. How could you say such a thing? I did nothing of the sort. Goodbye, though. Goodbye. Go on. Leave. We'll see you later. Hit the shower. Celtics went on to loose. And people asked the crew after the game why they made that call. The crew, the crew chief, Sean Wright, who has been in the league 17 years now, says the contact by Smart to Yusuf Nurkic's groin deemed to be unsportsmanlike. Therefore, he was ejected. He punched Nurk in the piece. I mean, that's an ejectable thing. Should be an ejection. The weird part, though, was that it <laughs> was not called a flagrant. It was called a technical. Oh, really? Yeah, it was not a flagrant one. It was not a flagrant two. It was a tech meaning he got fined for it. They were just like, we're $2,000 fine. You're fucking out. Go home. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It, I, it seems likely that Smart maybe said something to the ref too, but that was not addressed after the game. Smart, who was suspended, uh, coincidentally, for going after, after a ref, 
last game, <laughs> last week, probably won't say anything, but you know he was fucking pissed. And since Dame hit the technical free throw to put the Blazers up two possessions, once again, I will say to folks, are you ready to say Marcus Smart is making game-altering bad decisions for your franchise yet? What do I think about the ejection? I think it's more Marcus Smart doing other Marcus Smart-like things. Did you see that? I No, I did. I did. Marcus I Smart bad. Br- yeah. is bad. <laughs> that is all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you guys for coming from TikTok all the way to the podcast. I see that's happening. I see that's happening on YouTube. It makes a huge difference for us. If you want to buy This League hoodies, they're on sale in the Barstool store. Uh, do not forget to follow us at This League and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram. Please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, and thank you for listening. We'll be back early, squirrely Friday morning with a new edition. And Marty is back. <laughs> Marty's back, folks, with all of his hot takes and voice of reason. So thanks for, <laughs> for you coming back and keeping me grounded. That's all the time we have. The bigger they come, the harder they fall. It's time to risk it all.
risk it all. I'ma risk it all. 